Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil, Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 298 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast of my movie loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. It is hard to believe that only a year has gone by since we gathered on this show to tie up 2021. Like, folks, seriously, so much has happened. Russia invaded Ukraine, Twitter was sold and arguably wrecked. Argentina won the World Cup, USA took a step back and then a big step forwards in Roe versus Wade. England got a new prime minister and then another one. And then their queen decided she'd had enough and bid us all a good day. We said goodbye to Vin Scully, Sidney Poitier, Loretta Lynn, Bill Russell, Jean-Luc Godard, Taylor Hawkins, Mikhail Gorbachev, and Meatloaf. At the movies, we went back to Pandora after 13 years away. We flew with Maverick after 36 years on the ground. We didn't worry, darling, about the unbearable weight of massive talent and enjoy turning red at all the beauty and bloodshed. One could really say that the films involved were everything, everywhere, all at once. As always, that is far too much to suss through alone. So I have gathered the pros from Dover in the flesh for once. And first, we must begin on my left, a man who is always up for a drink and a discussion so long as you are prepared to be wrong. The gent who knows his Scafaria from his Skiama, his Fickner from his Fitcher. David Bob Turnbull is here. <laughs> My brother is David, David. Turnbull. <laughs> but thank you for the welcome, sir. Thank you. Then there is the woman on my right, the woman who is always up for creating a cocktail so long as you bring your own bar tools. She knows her plastic from her Paul and her stone from her Parker. She's a fantastic critic at Live for Film. Hillary Butler is here. How are you, Hillary Butler? I'm good, and thank you for my cocktail equipment now. So you it's purely mercenary. With. <laughs> with your I want to fill people in on this one. When I went to Hillary's for a really wonderful, warm, and just overall fantastic uh, holiday time get together, I was nominated to play bartender. At which point, I said to Hillary, "Where's your shot glass?" And she said, "Don't have one." I said, "I call it Syria Pro." I said, "Where's your, where's your, where's your mixing cup?" She says, "You're using it." I'm like the one, you need another. We called this eyeballing the cocktails is what we call that. It works it's always worked. Marvelously. It's always worked for me too. That's true. We are modifying tradition here on the matinee cast. There will be some music coming and going through the conversation, not playing underneath throughout, which I know for some of you is a happy thing anyway. Uh, the songs that you're going to hear are some of my favorite tracks of 2022. You'll hear tunes by The Weeknd, The National, Beyonce, Lizzo, and a lot more. But on 298, we are going to be counting down our top five films of the year. And here's how this is going to work. We are going to go slot by slot. So each of us will name off our fives, our fours, and so forth until we get to the top dogs. And in the this year, only once or twice event that a film is on more than one list, and actually it's just two titles, uh, we will dig into it fully at its highest ranking. Before that, you'll hear me ask for a brief thought by the guest or myself who has it in the lower position. But we must begin. And Robert, we are going to begin with you. All right. Talk to us. And, and try not to spoil it because I've had a busy few days ah, ab about, right. about Glass Onion. Glass Onion. Um, well, before I get to Glass Onion, I, I do have to say that I wrestled with number five. Okay. Back and forth. I, I almost went with the big, huge crowd pleaser went with the film documentary about black exploitation, which was awesome, but settled on a movie that just feels, although I know it isn't, but it feels so effortless mm. in how it was created. And the way you engage with it, you sit back and it washes over you and you just enjoy the back and forth, the small little pieces, the setups that pay off almost every single time. The only criticism I have for the movie is that there are some characters that I just want to see more of. Is I thought they were built up 
really nice at the beginning. Without giving too much away, it's, I guess, essentially Knives Out 2. Although right. Ryan Johnson said, don't be calling it Knives Out. But it's Benoit Blanc coming back for another mystery in the form of a murder mystery party that he sort of gets invited to. <laughs> um, and brings in a whole bunch of topics that just seem to be very, I don't know if Ryan Johnson was very prescient, but his whole kind of look at the tech bro CEO really kind of lands nicely right now for a variety of reasons, even though I don't think he focused on that one single person. It really comes across as as Elon Musk in many ways. Um, Regardless, uh, it's just so much fun. Janelle Monet is spectacular. I've liked her. I don't know much about her. I just started listening to her music. I liked her in... in, uh, um, Moonlight. Moonlight and um, Hidden Figures. Figures. Um, and just starting to listen to her music, but she is phenomenal here. So, okay. um, j- just in the way she kind of switches her mode in a number of different seeds is absolutely fantastic. Kate Hudson, down the line, everybody yeah. is so good. Kind of, yeah, Jessica, sorry, Jessica, Jessica Henwick, I apologize. Uh, I wanted to see more of her. And of course, Daniel Craig is Benoit Blah. In a little bit of a different version of his previous role, but nonetheless, observation keen. Just you know, absolutely wonderfully entertaining so from much. the back. I think what's funny to me is that Kenneth Branagh right now is trying to make the Agatha Christie movies happen to, to mixed results. And meanwhile, in comes somebody like Ryan Johnson, who's like, I can do that kind of thing. Where it's not really a franchise, but it's kind of a franchise. Mm-hmm. And I can have fun with it just based on this one character and go very old school with it in this age of properties. I can kind of create something that is a property and yet not and do it in a way that is both old school, like like the oldest of old school, you know, serial cliffhanger kind of thing. And yet still feels very, very fresh. Absolutely agree. And, and just the banter between, you know, these top notch kind of stars. Um, I just watched uh, Death on the Nile. I'd seen the previous one in 1971 a few months ago as well. Yeah. Don't really like either. The Brano one is just, it's there. It's, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. But there's no zip to it. No. There's not a lot of. I'm sure those, I'm, and I'm sure those stories can be adapted very well. They're just, right now, they're sure. not the. Um, Hillary, you saw this during TIFF, and I know you love the heck out of it. I never watched it again. It's been a busy weekend, guys. What was the audience reaction? I mean, it must oh my have gosh. been. It's so good. Yeah, it was like the premiere, and it was. Everyone was laughing, cheering, clapping. Like it was something really fun to be a part of with an audience. And I wish it had been out for more than a week in theaters mm. so that more people could have seen it with like a group of people. Because I think there was a lot of enthusiasm for the film. Well, and Netflix released their numbers today, and there was a lot of households, 35 million plus, watched, watched it. Oh, wow. Uh, we were one of the weekends. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie is fun. It's, it's fresh. There's so many surprises and twists and turns, and you can't see them coming. Good. Like it's yeah. But it's it, it is it is just so <laughs> it well. Pays, it sounds like it pays things so off, well right? Yeah, okay. it, it just little things that sort of come back, and then they come back again in an even bigger way. Now I need to ask, what's the deal with kombucha? <laughs> Jared Leto's kombucha. <laughs> it, it is it is funny because there's a lot of little Jared Leto's kombucha. Yeah, digs. There's a Jeremy, Jared Jeremy Renner's, Renner's Jeremy hot, hot sauce. sauce. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's lots of little digs. I don't even know if they're digs, no. but kind of celebrity kind of Gosh. names thrown okay. in there. Yeah. Um, which is which is it just adds to the fun. Yes, yeah, and I, I've, I've had a kombucha beer. No, it, it I wasn't mean, worth. 
Kombucha in general, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm a fan of beverages of all sort, but that's where I'm not. Like, nope. But you can imagine Jared Leto being a Oh, I can absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It fit. I can totally. That's very much yeah. on brand. Yeah. Um, Hillary Butler, you introduced me to the absolute joy that is The Quiet Girl. Tell our audience about this movie. Yeah. Um, tell people what it's about, because I feel I'm going to be saying this to Bob a lot more. Trust me. No um, but, <laughs> I expect um, that. Uh, this is a movie that I feel a lot of people may not have heard about um, and it kind of flew into the radar. Tell people about this movie and um, and what it's about and why you love it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I didn't actually know about it until a short time ago. Um, and I put it in one night because I was trying to avoid watching another film with subtitles. And I was like, this one's from Ireland. It's fine. <laughs> Only to discover it's all in Gaelic. Correct. So um, still had the subtitles, uh, but that was fine. Uh, but not that is, you are anti-subtitle. It was just a moment where it was, yeah, it wasn't. I was yeah. like, oh, you know, I'm going to save yeah. this for a different time. Yeah. I just want to listen to this one. But anyways, it was uh, written and directed by um, uh, Colin Blade. I hope I pronounced that right. Sure. Irish, Irish names. <laughs> um, and it was adapted from another story, um, Foster, uh, by Claire, Claire Keegan. Um, but basically it takes place in 1981 Ireland. Um, the little girl is in a very dysfunctional, large, poor-doing family and isn't doing well. She's not doing well at school. She hides under her bed, um, you know, to kind of avoid the general melee of the household. So they send her to the country to this older, but not old couple that owns a farm. Um, and all of a sudden there's quiet and care and love being given to her. And she finds out that there's a different way of living and how she connects, especially with the father in this couple who is himself a quiet man per se, is especially touching. And the film is just gorgeously shot. There's some wonderful cinematography in it. Um, the little girl who's in it, um, uh, Catherine Clinch, um, plays Cat, the little girl, and she is just phenomenal. I don't know how old she is in real life, mm -hmm. but she's playing quite young, yeah. maybe 10-ish, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just great. And you find so many touching moments in in quiet moments in a biscuit being left on a table, um, you know, for instance. And the, the last words of this film are uttered twice with complete different meaning. And I was just bawling my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to put this film on my list because I feel like a lot of people don't know about it and it certainly was one of the ones that moved me the most this year. Bob, did you see The Quiet Girl? No, it's on my list. I'm really, really curious to see it. Mainly because these smaller films from Ireland, usually a lot of the sort of quiet horror films have been fantastic ones I've seen at TIFF or other festivals. Uh, and I was eager to see this before end of year, but I don't think it's overly easily available screening. Not yet. I feel like yeah. this is one that's going to trickle through in the spring. Uh, looking forward even more so now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really it's really quite something. Um, there are moments in it that are truly shocking, truly just heart-stopping. What just happened? Uh, you know, like like some cuts that are like, are they okay? <laughs> like, like those kinds of those mm -hmm. kinds of things. I, I, I saw, I, I got sent a screener. Um, I got, and when Hillary talked it up and our and friend of the show, James Leskowski talked it up, I was like, I need to make this a priority. So I, I moved it up my queue of year end viewing. Um, yeah. Everything that Hillary said, you know, here, here, gorgeous, uh, affecting, 
um, patient in a lot of ways, not mm-hmm. economical. It's not very long. It's a 90 minute movie. Um, it's brisk. It really does pack a lot of emotional resonance into not a boatload of dialogue. Like we were talking before the show about one of these big year end titles that are, are you know, I'm not going to get into it now, but our common <laughs> critique is it needs an edit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fantastic movie, but it could be a masterpiece with a, with a much more vicious edit. And this is a film that had that in mind, that had less is more, that you can do so much more with a look than you can with a, with a line sometimes, or you can do a lot more with one sentence than you can with a paragraph. It really, really understands it. It's not, it's not, you know, on the one hand, it is high stakes. It's high stakes. It's deep emotional scarring that it takes place with the characters all involved, the, the, the two families and the girl. But at the same time, they don't, they don't waste their time really tearing it apart. They leave it for you to understand because it's like, you know, just sitting in the front room or sitting in the kitchen with these people, you are going to understand it very quickly. So they don't need to dig into it. It's a great pick, Hill. And it, and it avoids being like sappy. Yeah. Like it's not, it never becomes that. Yeah. There's like a line in the film where he talks about the power of words, especially when not a lot is being said. And that fully envelops what the whole film's theme is. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited. Yeah. To yeah. It. It's a great film. I'm, I'm really thankful that you brought it to my attention um, and that you bring it to our listeners' attention. My number five pick, I we were supposed to have a fourth on here, and I'm kind of sad that she fell under the weather and she couldn't make it because she was actually the guest on the show where we talked about this movie this fall. I went with the absolute just cerebral, I don't know, that is... Todd Field's Tar. Um, This movie that I did not know what I was getting into and left with just so much that I hung on to. Um, This is a film that is very talky. It's kind of the opposite of The Quiet Girl. It is lengthy um, and just seems to have set a lot of people on their head, both people who are into it and people who didn't know what they were getting into and found it later and turned it into a weird conversation. Kate Blanchett does what Kate Blanchett does. Um, it's, it's, you know, just disturbing and haunting and gorgeous and very, very thoughtful. Um, and even though I, you know, it's funny cause I, I was left coming away from it just like this much cold. I'm like, I feel like, again, I'm, uh, this is kind of, this might be the, 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 the theme of the show. It could have been shorter, um, <laughs> but I'm like, but at the same time, I'm like, I loved so much of it. I loved so much of how it talks about that just because you are so-called enlightened doesn't mean that you are necessarily more of a proper human. Um, and yeah, watching the whole thing, spending time in all those monologues, all of those auditions, all, oh my dear God, I'm still just stuck with it so damn much. I was so surprised how much I loved that movie. I, I thought it was excellent as well. It just missed my top ten. Although, yeah. like we were it's, talking before the show, we, we can re-rank it somewhere on the, on the other page. It's on my yeah. Long list. yeah, yeah, we can easily re-rank these. Yeah, um, cold is right. It does does feel a little chilly at times for sure. But I love the by way design. It, oh, for sure. Yeah, but I love the way it sort of plays with things. And that early on, I'm kind of like, oh, no, no, I, I think she was probably right in the way she kind of said that. And then later on, you go like, oh, oh. okay, <laughs> a bit of a different spin on a lot of the ways she acted and reacted. And then you start realizing a lot of it is very much performance, her own performance mm-hmm. in many of these com- excuse me, many of these conversations. Yeah. Um, of course, she's amazing. Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. is fantastic in the role, and it has one of the best ending jokes. I, I think and just the way that movie ends is like, oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, much like the Quiet Girl, mm-hmm. it does an awful lot with 
looks. Like there's an like a lot of the times her uh, her partner and her kind of protege, her assistant, mm-hmm. you, they'll just shoot a look either at one another or even just to her without her looking, and you can tell what's going on without needing to waste dialogue. Sure, and Nina Haas is her um, partner in this, and I mean, yeah, some I, people may not her. know her because she does like so much foreign film work um, for us, but uh, yeah, she was phenomenal in the movie too. I don't think she's getting enough praise no. you're right actually yeah <laughs> yeah she she underpins a lot of that stuff just even just by her looks just her presence on yeah. screen sometimes. was i the only one who didn't realize that tar was not a real woman going into this i'm uh, pretty sure she was fictitious yeah okay so it was just me i just uh, it was <laughs> I, I was like how do i not know about this person and i'm like oh because she's not real but i just i but just thank goodness they made her character a woman because it totally put a difference yeah. on the hierarchy of yeah. like power dynamics and abusive relationships and and, and that's and yeah and that's the thing is that there 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 are they exist and they there there's there's plenty of them and i i'm actually like i'm happy it's not about you know this composer this mm-hmm. photographer this painter like that that would be a terrible thing to do yeah. so just yeah like make one up but it's yeah. it would just it struck me so dumbstruck that i'm like Oh, you like you made him. You made her up so realistically that I thought she was real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there would be a point too about her uh, being a female person in that in that role because I think that's that enables the movie to sort of reveal itself um, a little bit mm-hmm. more organically, dynamically, for lack of a better kind of term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it worked really, really well. Yeah. There we go. There's three movies already. That's our fives. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be back right after this with our number fours. I'm one of one. Don't even waste your time trying to compete with me. No one else in this world can think like me. I'm twisted, I'll contradicted. Keep him addicted. Lies on his lips, I lick it. Unique? That's what you are. Stilettos kicking vintage crystal off the bar. Category, bad bitch, I'm the bar. Alien superstar. Whip, whip. All right, we're back. It's time for the the fours. The uh, not quite. What is it? We play show, and then what would the fourth be? Was we, there? We don't, we don't win. You don't win anything. Oh yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> no name anyway, for that one. <laughs> the number four position on our on our tour of 2022. Uh, Bob, you're up again. Uh, you're gonna have to educate me on this one because I do not even know this title. Tell us about Hit the Road. It's a film by Panahi, who is Jafar Panahi's son. Uh, I'm not sure if it's his first film or not, to be honest. Um, it's uh, an economical, uh, reasonably brisk uh, road movie, essentially, with this family driving in a car with this very rambunctious little boy, very quiet older son, and the two older parents, which at times you're not sure if they want to be a or not. The father's in the back seat, both leg, thing. Mother's up front. She's sort of holding things back. It's it's interesting because the first five minutes or so, I'm like, I'm not sure this movie's grabbing me. This kid is all over the place. But if you just sort of sit back and let it start to just happen and, and unveil itself, you start understanding why the older son is so very kind of quiet, why the mother is seeming to hold her emotions in, why their father is trying to focus on the fun things the boy is doing. Be, because, uh, without giving too, too much away, the, the older son has is, is made a decision that affects not only his life, but everybody else's life going forward. And the parents are helping out, him out with it, 
without really fully embracing it. Okay. And the way it sort of then transpires and, and reveals itself has a couple of emotional impacts. But for me, the, the, the huge upswing of the movie is really the last five, seven minutes where they're in the car and the mother is driving and they're singing to the song on the radio about, I guess, a relationship. You know, you're my loved one and, and you've left me and, and I'm trying to, you know, understand this, all this kind of stuff. And the mother is singing to it. So is the kid and the father. But it means something different to the mother. And at some point, like she's singing, just belting it out. She slaps her face because she's about to burst into tears and she's trying to not do that. And it's, oh, it's just such a wonderful realized moment of emotion that the movie builds to. And then after that, and there's a few moments before that too, there's a little bit of the magic realism sort of creeps in. So there's a scene on this dry tarmac of a desert that's all cracked and they're sitting on it and another song starts playing and the little boy looks right at the camera and sings it. And it's an older voice, but you know, it's this little boy singing it. And it's essentially about now is not the time to leave this country. You need to stay with us for the spring is about to come. Wow. So it's essentially a call to stay with the country and fight for what we believe is right. Mm -hmm. And it just ties into the themes of the movie absolutely beautifully. And it does not surprise me that this is a Panaki at all. Um, absolutely wonderful movie. I mean, it, what's interesting to me is that both father and son Panahi released movies this year and you went with Junior. I have not seen seniors. Oh, okay. uh, so so I, if we were to record I, this I again in a few months, no bears, but, right? Uh, okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, this is easily available it's on Amazon. Okay, uh, so uh, I will have. I will more. You know that that's why I love doing the show is that my list ends up growing and going into the early part of the next year when you know things are a little bit scarce, so I can kind of play catch up. Hey, I'm, I'm listening yeah. to both of you as well. There we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hillary, have you seen Hit the Road? I have not. Okay. It is now on my. I was going to say, I think we'll have to mix some cocktails and watch some Iranian cinema. I'm a fan. I mean, I like I, I I've said recently that I one of the things I've enjoyed about doing this podcast and the, the the blog as well is what it has exposed me to and who it has introduced me to and the the titles and the stories and the regions and the genres that it's introduced me to. You know, when I started this thing 13 years ago, I wasn't watching Iranian cinema. Are you kidding? <laughs> I don't think I could. I couldn't name you one title. No, like at all. And now I can name you several, um, including like some of my favorites. It's, it's strange to assign um, a mood to an entire country because it just doesn't work that way. It's like calling animation a genre. Yeah, yeah. But just every film I have ever seen come out of Iran is just so caring, uh, loving, um, emotional, honest. Thoughtful, I'd say. Very I mean, thoughtful. Again, I don't want to overly generic either but if i'm looking at panahi and karastami mm -hmm. both of those directors the films i've seen from both of them are always so thoughtful I yeah mean, where's the friend's house um it is such an absolutely wonderful joyous yeah well i don't want to say joyous but it's not all happy but it's such a wonderful movie from mm -hmm. a little boy's point of view mm -hmm. um going off rails here a little bit but it, it's um yeah i need to dig even deeper into the cinema of that country because that's mostly the direction i've seen i've seen one or two other options yeah uh, but I need to dig much, much deeper. There you go. You know, New Year's resolution right there. Bet. <laughs> Hillary Butler, let us talk about good luck to you, Leo Grande. First of all, let me just say, and you might notice this from another selection on my list, is that I love chamber pieces and I love films that happen mostly just in one room. Oh yes. Okay. I see I see the trend now because I know it's coming. Yeah. If right. your if your film could be a play or is based on a play, I'm probably gonna like it. And this is 
no exception, even though it's not based on a play. It's an original script by um, Katie Brands and directed by Australian Sophie Hyde. Um, I saw this out of Sundance, so I watched it in January. Um, and I still think about this movie often. It lives now rent-free in my mind. Um, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. So, yeah. At, no, at all. No. So, I mean, this film basically is just about a, a retired and widowed school teacher who um, spent her entire married life without having the pleasure of good sex. And so as she goes down her bucket list of life items, she decides she's going to hire an expert to kind of show her the way. And so here comes Peaky Blinders, Daryl McCormack, who plays the role very nicely. Not bad to look at either, this nice no, Irishman. Um, he's and a so, Yes, he is. <laughs> yep. That's very good looking. Props to that casting agent. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Um, but it just has a really refreshing attitude towards sex and women's pleasure, especially at an older age where so many movies and people would kind of dismiss that as something that just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, it discusses like shame and repression and so many of these things that I just hadn't seen on film before. And Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack have just such amazing chemistry together. Um, and there's just one spot close to the end where she's just incredibly vulnerable i'll say so i don't spoil it mm. but it's very poignant and that spoke to me so much as a woman that i was moved to tears so i think what i enjoy about that movie the most is the way it turns on without giving much away but the way it turns on her disrespecting one of his boundaries mm -hmm. You know, you, it's not what you would expect in that kind of a story. Like you would expect that kind of a story to be, you know, she's, she's kind of gone down this garden path of, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I need to, you know, make up for some lost time and understand things and, you know, maybe finds that she's gone too far, but instead, like he is very much saying, you go where you want to go and I'm just going to walk right beside you. You know, until at a certain point she takes a wrong turn and he's like, ah, uh, no, we, we, this, this is a problem. And it's all handled in such a mature way. Um, you know, like it's, it, it's something where it is very dramatic, but it's done without drama. Yes. You know, yeah. it's a lovely little chamber piece. Um, a lot of talking, a lot of, uh, a lot of joy in yeah. the movie. I mean, and it's, a lot it's, of humor as well. A lot of humor. I mean, in a lot of ways it is sad. Yes. Um, you know, in terms of like how, how it starts and how she got there and a lot of moments where she is um, very raw about, you know, what's brought her to this point. But at the same time, there's so much of it that's done with just such humor, such cheekiness is the word I'm going for. Yeah. Um, it's a fantastic movie. And again, it's another one. It's, it's on it's the Prime. It's, on it's yeah, right there. It's, yeah. it's in yeah. your television. It, it's, it's lovely. Absolutely. I, I love your point, too, about how they, they talk about things you don't usually hear in films. There's no tittering. There's nope. no stepping around. It's just, it's just up there. It's just it's there. Frank. It's just, it's part of it's a life. topic of conversation. Yeah. And it's natural the yeah. way they're talking about things. It's just, mm -hmm. it's open, it's frank, and it's, it, it feels like real conversations for the most part. You know, I, I think there's a few story elements where it's kind of like, eh, I think you kind of cram that in there, but picky, picky, picky. Mm -hmm. um, because I love the fact that they're talking about something that you rarely see. And is as, stunning as that young man is you know at times before you go like 
I'm with Emma Thompson. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Look at Absolutely. me. Like, yeah, you saw them. I mean, I just, I think as a woman, it just spoke to me so dramatically about how we see ourselves. Um, oh, she was very, like, she opened things up. Like, it was just sort yeah. of their emotion coming out of Thompson. Yeah. Wonderfully realized. Yeah. I think it's funny because this is an example of one of the things I've said repeatedly about um, actively chasing stories told by women is, it's not whether it's not about whether or not they are better or worse, but one thing I can say undeniably is I am seeing things I have not seen before. Not in life, because I've seen them in life, but in screen and in stories, these are things that they, they're just not present. And sometimes it's a look, sometimes it's a gesture, sometimes it's an angle of a camera. And it, whether or not it's better, it's refreshing because I it's not something we see nearly as much. And this movie has it. Like a lot of what you said all over this movie in terms of how they both look at each other, how they both act towards each other to us. It's, it's all very much in there. Like just much, very much like what you said. If you love film, I mean, you, you love hearing stories mm -hmm. and the more films that, you know, you watch and we watch a lot of films, you want to see some new stories. You want to see some new takes on things. And sadly, you know, stories about women are, you know, for some of us kind of like, Oh, this is new because we <laughs> haven't seen as many. Fortunately over the last few years, we're seeing a lot more. Mm -hmm. So, and if that means that Sight and Sound has to kind of bump up a few female directors, so be it. Well, yeah. Do that yeah. To get people to watch those movies. And yeah, good for them. Bob, I don't like you anymore. Mm -mm. I've seen this coming for a yeah. while. I liked you yesterday, but I don't like you anymore. You're dull. <laughs> I see what's happening here. I know exactly where I know where this, this is going. But that's fine. Can we keep the gardening shears? Uh, I really Not like them, though. I just don't want the donkey to have to leave the world. Because uh, I'm sad right now, and I don't want the donkey to leave. <laughs> Jenny is a, Jenny's saying. Jenny's a friend of mine. The Banshees of Inishirin, Martin McDonough's uh, fourth feature now? Uh, fourth main one that I know of. Yeah. Right now, yeah. Um, Arguably his best one. Um, just magnificent, this movie. Holy cow. I did, I really didn't know what I was going to be getting into, except uh, the fact that when the trailer was played to me, I got about 10 seconds into it. I said, this is this is the Embruge people again, isn't it? You know, like along with the fact that it's just the two of them, just the way they're talking, I'm like, we're going back to Embruge, uh, which is a movie that I adore. Um, you know, we talked about it at great length on, on our podcast. So if you want to hear what Bob and I have to think about it, just go back to that. Hillary, you and I have talked about, um, I, I, I did my normal, is the cat okay? Yeah. Uh, for, for, you know, uh, anybody who hasn't figured it out by now, Miss um, Butler is a veterinarian and does not like it when the animals get to the short end of the stick. So sometimes no. I will play figurative canary in the coal mine. And I'll be like, okay, the dog is going to look like it's a barrel, but it's all right. Uh, and I told you, I was like, eh, it's it's not the greatest. Um, but as much as Bob and I love this movie, you enjoyed it, the heck out of it as well. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Um, it was surprising to me in a lot of ways. Like, I could count them. This movie is lush and beautiful. Yes, it say. is. And I hope when I go to Ireland that I can go on the... She's been sharing tour. I, yeah, if not, I kind of want to make that my retirement plan. Like, I just want to set up that tour and get people to come. We, we got to go to that pub. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we talked about on the podcast about how it's a film with just great stakes, like magnificent stakes um, that are so simple for all involved. Like, like right down to, um, is it Sarah is his sister? 
uh, played by Carrie Condon. Yeah, but uh, fantastic. Yeah, she, Siobhan. 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 Uh, you know, you know, there there's stakes involved for Siobhan. There's stakes involved for um, for the Barry Keoghan character. There's certainly stakes involved for 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 Patty and and for Colm. I just like oh I'm like oh I can't I it's it's a movie I just I love it so much. Um, and yet it's just it's it it's dark. It is a dark dark movie. That is just wrapped in all these moments of glorious Irish levity uh, that you just, you hope everything will be okay, but they're really not, unfortunately. I think that's why it's so great is that you do spend time kind of going like, so so what is this movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Is it Yeah, it, def- yeah, it defies convention. And I was talking to my sister about this, and because, you, know, you and I have talked about this movie enough already, and she did not enjoy the movie. She's kind of like, that wasn't funny at all. I was like, well, first of all, Yes, it was at times. And second of all, did you miss the fact that there's so much more to this movie? I'm not trying to put you down, sis, if you ever listen to this, and she never will. <laughs> but we disagree, shall we say. But I think if you approach this as like, oh, it's one of these quirky Irish comedies, it has moments of that, but that's not what this is. It yeah. is so very much more. Uh, and and Carrie Condon is absolutely fantastic in this, and she better be at least part of the discussions in year-end awards. There's a lot of people that should be, but she's I mean, got to be I, one of them. I feel like a lesser version of this movie is Grumpy Old Men. You know, it's just, it's just two people sleeping at each other. A much lesser yes. for for two. No, but I mean, that's that's what like it kind of seems like it, it sets it up like that's what it's going to be. It's just these two guys sniping at each other for two hours, and it's really not like I mean that's that's what makes it so wonderful is every two or three scenes, one of them kind of leans over into the other's space, whether it's the sympathy or the anger and then they just they kind of have this little back and forth and back and forth and eventually one of them just upsets the apple cart and chaos ensues um yeah i think i see where our relationship is going in a few years right? well, uh, again can we hide the shears no if that's the case. What, I, what i loved about the first part of this movie was that you actually had no idea why he's just cut his dear friend off and you just spend the first bit going why is this happening but my favorite part of the movie was the, the bread truck. And I have to say, your sister finds no humor in this movie. The bread truck thing made me laugh harder than I have laughed in a very long time. Um, and it's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. And, and, yet it, and yet that scene is pitch black. 100%. Like, that's this just, is a dark, dark black yes, it comedy. Is. Um, my mother actually listened to our episode. She's not a fan of Know Your Enemy. She goes, you guys got a while. It took a while to get to the point there, didn't you? <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> So. I agree with you, Mom. We really need to cut to the cheese on this. All right. Note taken. Thank you both. <laughs> we are going to take a quick break. We'll be back with the threes right after this. Ooh. It finally hits me. A mile's drive. The sky is leaking. My windshield's cracked. I'm feeling sacred. My soul is stripped. The radio's painful. The words are clear. Grief it gets me when we're goodbyes. My car is creeping. I think it's time. I'm pulling over until it heals. I'm on a shoulder of lemon fields. We're back. Now we're in the the show. Win place and show. Now we're in the show with the bronze medal, everybody. Uh, it, it, it could be our briefest round, but you know we proved that wrong before. Um, <laughs> speaking of brief, Bob, um, you chose a film here that feels less twenty-two 
Noir 20 or 21. True. Uh, we covered this film on the podcast this year, too. I uh, had an, uh, an episode with a uh, friend of the show, Andrew Baines, from the Road Precinct cast. Talk to us about Steven Soderbergh's Kimmy. It wouldn't be an end of the year show if I wasn't talking about Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> this is actually quite true. Yeah, because I did uh, No Sun Move, I think. You did, which I still haven't seen. But at uh, least I've seen Kimmy. I'm, I'm just a fanboy of Soderbergh. I love. You're talking about uh, economical movies. I love his approach to filmmaking. I love his experimentation. I love how he can get a point across without having to tell you. He can show it to you. Mm -hmm. And he does that, I think, magnificently well in the first few minutes of this movie. You know this woman. You know the situation. He's always set up a few things that will pay off in the end. There's another theme I'm coming back to. And it's, what, 86 minutes? There's action to it, there's character development, uh, there's some side characters. Um, it shows the this woman who you think is just a mess is actually extraordinarily intelligent. Um, should go without saying, but you're not sure if she's going to be able to fend for herself, and boy, does she ever. Uh, i got to get me a nail gun. Um, it, it's... it's <laughs> you never know what it might be. Um, I, I think it's just fabulous in its construction. Uh, I think Zoe Kravitz is excellent. I mean, she doesn't have a lot to say. There is stuff she has to say. There's not a whole lot of broad acting, but the subtleties of things she does, even when she does her hand sanitizer, mm -hmm. she kind of waves her hands. Yeah, it, it, It's obviously a thing that she's been directed to do, but she does it so very naturally that even at the end of the movie when she's still doing it, it, it's, it doesn't seem forced. I actually wondered if that was her expected. touch. That, that, that didn't seem like it was directed. Know. That seemed like it was just how she does you it. Or, may, or she saw something. You may very it. well be right. Yeah, maybe giving Soderbergh too much credit on that one. But, but that gets to my point of that it just fits so very naturally with the character that she's sort of creating. Mm -hmm. This person who's kind of obsessive, who I don't know is agoraphobic or has had some other issues due to some trauma. And the pandemic has made it even worse. This is very much a pandemic movie. Um, and just her being almost unable to leave her apartment and then finally finding a reason to do so, uh, a really good one that she can relate to very strongly. And I, I think he just hits all the marks in this movie. Uh, I thought it was fabulous. I, I love this new Soderbergh. I love the old Soderbergh too. But these kind of 90-minute kind of movies that he, he knows the, the zone mm -hmm. and he's just tweaking it and playing with it a bit. Um, I, I love what he's doing, and I hope he keeps doing it year over year. Will Look. you be in line for Magic Mike in Glasgow? Absolutely. Amazing. Are you kidding? Uh, I, I liked Magic I'm Mike, but XXL excited. was a blast, and I, I, I can't wait for the next one. Bring very it. excited. Yeah. Was Sell XXL the one where he's got the, the dance in the Quickie Mart, or was that yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. he's got that whole like, musical number in the Quickie Mart. So much fun. Uh, Hillary Butler, Kimmy? Uh, I did see this movie. I have to say I didn't like stick with me but i do remember the nail gun and actually the last <laughs> bits being very tense and very like gripping definitely but, some trigger warnings too for, yes. for people who've gone through certain kinds of trauma yeah there's moments of like that feels really real mm -hmm. like his use of handheld camera during those moments kind of like man i i'm feeling it too i kind of feel like we as uh we as as artists have started to rush to capture a moment. Like, I mean, I remember feeling this way during things like the, the Iraq war and the war on terror and, and, and post nine 11 stories. I feel like a lot of those were really, really pushed out into the world very, very quickly, right. Without time to really consider 
what they meant. And I, I don't think it's a small fluke that it took eight years to get to something like Hurt Locker that really nailed the, the topic on, on the head in just one way. Like there's all kinds of stories to tell about that era of modern history, but not a lot of the art really got there because it was just kind of trying to get there so quick. Same, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like the, what we've all just are still going through, let's be real. We're all still going through. I don't know if we're ready to tell a lot of these stories. So some of the ones that really got put out there very quickly and, you know, like landed on Netflix and were shot with GoPros and Zooms and whatnot and just kind of seemed to be trying to capture a moment. I'm like, I don't know if you're capturing the moment or you're just reminding me of my own life, you know, because <laughs> that's two different things. This, while it wasn't, um, you know, top five enamored with it the way that, that you were, certainly you weren't. Um, I, I I was like, okay, this one, at least I can see the craft mm-hmm. and I can see the attempt and you're close. I don't know if you're, I, you know, I feel like if he'd made this film in another year or so from now that he might've been able to really, really hone in on what did this moment really mean? And what was, what was, what was really the effect of what we all just went through? Well, it, it depends on how you look at the movie. I mean, I, I think if you look at it as only a pandemic film, you, you might be right. I think it's a film that happens in the pandemic, and he uses that to right, but, but her but that's dealing thing. with her trauma. That part of it I've seen before. That's the thing. Like that part of it, that part of it is wait until dark. That part of it is blow up, blow out, pick your blow. Um, that you know what I'm saying? Like that. Stop it. <laughs> that end of it is. He does it really, really, really well, but he doesn't do something especially new. What's especially new is that he puts it during this modern crisis, and it's one of the best. I think it's the combining of several of those things, how he has his character deal with trauma during the pandemic and how he does it in a very stylish and economical way. Um, To me, that works works great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you're out. You um, need to refill. So Hillary, so it's not that you hated the movie, but it yeah. did, it didn't didn't grab you. Was there a specific reason, or is it just it was one of those where you're I watching think, a lot of stuff? And yeah, I think and I think that was it. Okay. Um, I don't specifically remember it as a as a pandemic film. I agree with you. I think it just happens to be, you know, it's it's used as a tool, but it's not. If it wasn't during the pandemic, it would still be just as effective. I think there's way better pandemic films, but. We can get into that <laughs> later. It was fine. I watched it. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it. I'm just like, eh, didn't really stick in my head too much, except for, yes, nail gun. Nail gun. Her <laughs> cool hair. I, I'll just go back to how <laughs> there were so many things that he introduces right up front. You know, with toothache, with her job at oh. this this tech company, another tech bro that I think is realized very nicely in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all these different things that, that both pay off as well are set up really, really well, very quickly without a lot of telling up front. And I, I love the way that he does that. So I guess part of the reason I love it so much is the technical craft. Yeah. It is good. Like, it's a good movie. You know, I, I do think people should see it for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, you know, it's more like top of the, top of the year. Well, I guess so. I, yeah, for me, it was down somewhere between like 10 and 20. It's okay to be wrong. <laughs> Fine. Uh, Hillary briefly talk about everything. Talk about it everywhere and talk about it all at once. What can you say? This movie does have everything. I mean, it has bagels. Everything bagels. Your your favorite bagel, by the way. Oh, you, say. you listen to that show. Um, huh? Yeah, I listen to that. <laughs> um, hot dogs for fingers. Uh, dildo fights. I can say that word. Yes, you can. Um, 
And then to my favorite part, to quiet moments of conversation between rocks, literally my favorite part of this movie. Um, and it could have been an absolute mess. Mm -hmm. And it is not. Damien Chazelle, take notes. <laughs> it's, it's, it, but we'll talk about it more later, I think. We will. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I will see your briefly and I will raise your briefly because my number three uh, was a return by a storyteller who I've just been waiting uh, for her to tell more stories, patiently, patiently waiting for her to tell more stories. Uh, my number three is Women Talking, uh, the new film by Sarah Polly, adaptation of the novel by Miriam Taves, um, with a cast that goes and goes and goes. And even if you don't think you know these women, um, they are going to introduce themselves to you uh, with great effect. Um, it's it's fantastic on every level. Um, like you said, a chamber piece. You get, you get what the title tells you. Mm -hmm. It is it is entirely women talking with Ben Wishaw thrown in for good measure. Uh, and, and, and serving a very specific purpose that I adore and was handled so well. Um, but we will talk about it more. I was just, I was just so, so very happy to have Sarah Polly back. And I got a book mm -hmm. this year too. So like my cup runneth over. Uh, I know that, you know, she did a great job with Alias Grace a few years ago. It was like movies, it's like 10 years is way too long between movies for, for Sarah Polly. Um, uh, and Bob, I'll, I'll let you chime in when we, when we talk about it later. Um, and that, there we go. There's a bronze medal. We're going to take another very short break. That was a quick segment. Short break here. We'll come back with the runners up. This time. We have returned. Bob is going to talk again. Brace yourselves. Um, <laughs> Can I finish my sip of wine? <laughs> nope. Uh, but actually, Bob, uh, I, I do need you to uh, edumacate me. Uh, tell me about Hawa, please. So um, this was a movie that I know was playing at TIFF. I want to see it. I, I did not attend the festival this year. Um, but I very much want to see it because it's by a young uh, French director whose name is Memuna Dukule and my apologies to Mr. Goode if I've mispronounced her name. She made a film a few years ago, a very, very controversial movie called Cuties, which I think suffered mainly due to its marketing. Right. If you've seen the movie, um, I think even some people don't like the movie as it is because it, is. it very much sexualizes young girls, but there's a reason why it does that. And it's made to make you cringe, but it's also a wonderful telling of a young girl's perspective on things. It has magic realism to it and an absolutely beautiful ending that allows this girl to recapture her own kind of view of herself. Are we on cuties here or this is, this is still cuties, cuties? Gotcha. Which is why when I saw her name attached to this movie, I was like, ooh, ooh, I want to see this because it's dealing with another young girl and her story. And this is the story of, of Hawa, who is a young albino girl in France whose uh, grandmother is uh, Griot from uh, Cameroon. Basically, Griot is like a storyteller, a singer. Basically, that's where the blues really kind of originates from uh, and coming over to, to America and all that from the, these African roots. But basically, it's all about the storytelling tradition. And her grandmother is dying. You find this out early on in the movie, and she's you know forgetting things. So she's looking for a place to place Hawa. But Hawa is like, kind of like well, nobody can substitute for my grandmother. But, well, maybe Michelle Obama can. 
maybe Michelle Obama can adopt me because, well, her girls are now old and they've left. She could be a great mother. And Michelle Obama happens to be in Paris during that week. She hears she's on the news, she's kind of like, she's in Paris. She would be great. I've got to go to her and ask her to adopt me. And in her view, this is an extremely reasonable thing to do. And the way the movie sets it up, you know, in reality, there are so many points where a lot of these things would not happen. She cannot break into this popular singer's concert. She cannot get an astronaut to visit her and her grandmother. She cannot try and meet Michelle Obama a couple of times and not get shot down <laughs> by Secret Service. But that's, that's where that magic realism comes back in this movie in a couple of spots. And it's just told so wonderfully well to, again, put you in this young girl's shoes who is at this point and like, what's going to happen to me? So she's, uh, she's albino, and there's this kind of jittery movement in her eyes. And I'm not sure if that's you know, uh, added in or if that's the way the young, the young girl is. Regardless, she has this extraordinarily determined approach to everything she does. So or so is that at times you're like, I'm not sure if I even like you. But you do. You become so empathetic to her position and what she's trying to do. She's very single-minded about this, and she's using people to help her do this. But again, where it ends up, where it lands, with how she accepts the situation, how she um, makes, if not peace with it, but an understanding of how to deal with things and to perpetuate the stories, to carry on the traditions of storytelling that her grandmother, who is actually a griot, whose name is Umu Sangare, and has an amazing singing voice and uses it several times in this movie. Uh, it, it's filled with traditional stories with singing with amazing cinematography with this magic realism that I, I love when it's scattered into a movie you're kind of like how is this happening right now oh okay I get it it's a movie you can do these things mm -hmm. um, I think it's a brilliant movie uh, it's on Amazon as well it just suddenly yeah. dropped on it and I was thrilled <laughs> So I just saw it, I think, last week. So there's that recency bias. Like, uh, the, I, I mean, I but this is happening like, with Prime right now. I was going to say, this is, what I'm enjoying about this is this is kind of like our little gift to anybody who happens to be listening is here's some stuff that you can find in your services that you, you know, like we all have the same thing bubbling up to the top of our feeds. It's like, yeah, I don't really, like I enjoyed the heck out of it, but I don't really need to watch Ocean's Eleven again. Thank you, Netflix. You know, can you... <laughs> Can you the algorithm? Bring, is, yeah, the uh, algorithm is is is. Granted, watching that movie weekly isn't. You can make worse. No, but at the same time, it's just it's going to see that as my my pattern. You need to break yeah, yeah, the absolutely. algorithm every once yeah, in a while. Yeah. And this and you know that's that's why I love is that we're giving people stuff that's that's there on their platforms and they can find it if they just you know use the search. It's pretty easy. Um, France is having a nice little moment with a lot of their stories that they're telling over the last several years like you know i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about um saint Omer, which is going to be their uh their um, i want to see that it's fantastic their 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 entry into best international this year last year we had um Petit mama we had mm -hmm. 10 uh, going back a little bit further there was also you know portrait of lady on fire there was divines, uh, divines. there was les miserables i'm, I'm enjoying you weren't big on the miserables i'm, um, I'm gonna add the uh, festival Yes. Um, yeah. Movie, I mean, it's. I absolutely love which it's, is, uh, Alice Walker's. I love. I love when that happens. I love when you have like a country having a moment. You know, where all these artists just something's in the air or something's in the water or something's happening. Something's in the funding. Maybe? Possibly. <laughs> you know. Um, but good for you, France, if that's the case. Yeah. Good for you, France. Keep going. <laughs> uh, you have not seen the Hawa either. You're no. 
I have not, but I literally just wrote it down yeah. in the corner of my. I, I'd be really curious. I mean, I'm so I, intrigued. I, I may be only Michelle Obama. This is really weirdly biased towards my, it, but I, I'd be really kind of curious what people think. About I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very, very curious. Thank you for I'm that. In. Yeah, uh, Hillary. So here's a film that I am very anxious to see, but I have been starting to approach it with a little bit of skepticism. Let's talk about the whale. All Ooh. right. I know that this is a, has become a somewhat controversial and divisive film. Um, but following my Hillary loves chamber pieces mm. um, sort of mantra, um, the whale is uh, adapted from a play by Samuel D. Hunter, and he adapts his own play, which is somewhat uh, semi-autobiographical, if that actually helps you to kind of make peace with some of the things that are in the film. Okay. Um, about a man who is obese, who is dying. He has heart failure um, because of his disease. And he is trying to make peace with his daughter, who he has not seen for a very long time. He's estranged with. Um, and of course, that man is played um, by Brendan Fraser and a lot of prosthetics and all of that stuff, which is well done. Um, Hong Chao is in it, and man, what a year she has had between this and the menu. She she is like Brendan Fraser is amazing. Like, do not get me wrong. I I am gonna be rooting for him to win this Oscar because I think he deserves it. And I, you know, after seeing his career from George of the Jungle to whatever, <laughs> I'm so happy to see him. Like, I remember seeing him in the affair a few years back and being like, This is this is Brendan Fraser now. This is this is what he's doing. And I'm like, okay here for it. So I'm here for him getting all of these accolades. Um, but man, Hong Chao is, is just one of the absolute brightest parts about this film because she plays such a conflicted woman. She has a connection to him that I won't reveal because it all reveals itself through this, you know, well-crafted, um, screenplay, but she, um, she's an enabler. Um, but she's also a nurse. So she's also trying to convince him to get help yet she's still bringing him the you know meatball sub um, right. after work kind right. of thing so um you know there there's her whole um conflicted backstory as well which becomes so interesting once you find out why she's there okay. um but this film I, I i get it i get why it's controversial i, I think and again i can't speak for anybody who is in that position but it seems like it is handled in a sensitive way I know that they did their research to try and make it as sensitive as possible. But from a film perspective of being a chamber piece of mostly three, four people, sometimes more because Samantha Morton comes in in another scene that is amazing. And she was also great. And she said, so again, just Samantha Morton fan club, but, mm -hmm. um, but from, you know, happens in these four very claustrophobic walls where everything is messy and, you know, dingy and it's just, you know, it, it just makes you feel claustrophobic, like he's claustrophobic being stuck in this apartment that he can't leave. Um, so I thought it was really well done. Um, and I under I, I do understand that there's some backlash against it. But uh, from the sake of a cinematic perspective, I. Sure. Yeah. And, and I that's the thing. Like, I can't I can't speak to that because I haven't seen it. So I can't speak to what it says or doesn't say. Um, I will say, uh, did you catch up with it at all? You said you didn't No, no, I haven't seen it. I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, me too. I just want to say I'm so happy to hear you talk about Hong Chao. Ugh. Because right. I, I loved her in Inherent Vice, a small role, and there was a movie she made a few years ago called Driveways, 
very small movie and she was absolutely wonderful in that so when i heard she was in this too i was like, I'm like oh good and oh she's also in oh, she, uh, yeah, uh, the menu. Menu. yeah. Uh, i'm so happy she's getting more recognition roles, she's just phenomenal that's great just um, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I can, I have not yet seen an Aronofsky movie that I didn't like. They're very, like they're various levels. Like some of them are masterpieces. Some of them are just really okay. interesting. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> I didn't dislike it. <laughs> I enjoyed the I didn't, I didn't I love it. Did. I, I didn't, I didn't love it. And I, you know, if somebody told me they hate it, I'd be like, yep. But I got to admit, I was not bored. You were not bored the whole time. <laughs> you That's know? very true. Not at all. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, he, he seems like another director who was kind of, who's gone for a while. I don't know how long it's been since Mother, but it feels like it's been a minute. I mean, I know he, he loves to revel in people's trauma, right? He does. This is, this is the thing is he's, he is reveling in this man's trauma. And he has a lot of trauma. Right. right? His disease stems from his trauma, right. which you discover as the film goes Right. So he loves to revel in people's pain. Yeah. Um, but I don't, this, this movie, there's something that he says close to the end of the film. Again, I'm not going to get into it. That just talked about humanity. And I just kind of felt this, like, honestly at TIFF, cause I saw this again at the film festival, which again does influence how you see sure, films. Sure. Um, but there was so much sniffling going mm. on in this film. I just couldn't ignore no. the impact. I, I, I definitely look forward to it. And I, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably end up doing a show about it. Um, and I, I can't wait to, to see to see what all the fuss is about for sure. Uh, my number two is something of an obvious choice. I was actually kind of surprised that neither one of you took it, but I mean, considering everything else that we've talked about, I was happy that we were able to give time to all of these other movies. Um, and my number two actually was something that on paper I just thought was going to be just fine. I didn't think it was actually going to be anything extraordinary, but shows what I know. My number two uh, is uh, Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. You saw it at TIFF. Bob, did you catch up with it? I've not, not yet. I've not seen it yet. Um, my son and I want to both see it. He's away for a couple of days. So as soon as he comes back, we're going gotcha. to either just splurge on the expensive rental or we'll oh, figure it out. No, go. Go, no, yeah, go well. in a big room on, on a bright wall and and, and and soak it in. It is... I've been eager beautiful. to see it. It, yeah, it is. It is absolutely gorgeous. It is, in some ways, it's it's one of his smallest movies. But at the same time, he treats every moment with just such grace and such love, which is not to be, you know, unexpected because it's his story uh, in in most ways. And yet, at the same time, I think what we can agree on what we said on this podcast when I talked about it with Corey Tad is he largely somehow for Spielberg avoids honey drip nostalgia. You know, like you watch that, you watch the way this movie is sold and it looks like it's going to be, wasn't my childhood awesome Mm. where I made movies with my friends and I grew up in this house and the world wasn't a complete garbage fire. And I got a job spoilers for real life. I I, I got a job making movies because I walked onto a lot. Um, I mean, there's some of that. Don't there is some of that. Yeah, that it is all in there. It smells pretty sweet. It might not be honey yeah, dripped yet. But, in, but, it's, it's, but it's meanwhile, there is a lot of long, hard looks at who our parents were and what we may or may not have realized at the time and what that means, you know, especially looking back on them as as grownups, right? Like, Because it's one thing to, to be, to have an emotional reaction to your parents in the moment. Right. If something happens, if they get in a fight or if they 
ground you or punish you or something like that, or you have a differing opinion about what you should be doing with your life. It's one thing to have an opinion in that moment. It's another thing entirely to look back on it in the harsh light of adulthood and say, you know what? Number one, I don't know if I was fair to my mom or my dad or both. And number two, they may have been on to something. And number three, this is something that I've learned about myself through looking back at them. Um, Corey Tad, who did that episode with me, because of course. Um, I was going to say, who else are you going to pick? Mentioned how when Spielberg wrote this script with Tony Kushner, he treated the script writing process as therapy, basically. Like Spielberg himself has never gone to therapy, but he treated it as therapy. Mm-hmm. As he told the stories to Kushner. Kushner then interpreted it in his very Kushner way. Um, and it's it's incredible. I did not really expect much going into this movie, just which shame on me. You have a question. Oh, no, it's just, I was just going to say, I don't know that much about Spielberg's background. For whatever reason, I just never really looked into it. But obviously, Absent Father has been a big part of a lot of his movies. So I'm not surprised to hear that he's dealing with something. Well, he's dealing with something. But is it focused on that? Or is it? Really yes and no. I mean, no. Like, the, thing, so the thing is, his, so his, it, it, this is not, a, this is real life. So it's not, not a spoiler. His parents end up separating. His parents end up separating, but his parents don't end up separating until he's like 17, 18. Like okay. he goes, he goes off to college by the time that his his dad is going to go live somewhere else. So, you know, by the time like he's formed, he is fully formed by that point. But their relationship in his formative years, he's like now we would call him a tween into that, you know, those high school years, they were there there, there was a fissure in this uh marriage, in this family. You first of all learn what it was, which you would not have expected, and you can see why to the kids it would look one way. Um, and in reality, it is not what he expected. Like that's what I'm saying. When you look at your parents with grown-up eyes and you realize this must have been really emotionally complicated for my dad or for my mom. And when I blamed one parent or the other, odds are it may have been. The other that was either to blame or that neither one of them were to blame, right? So yeah, it's not the it's not the daddy issues that a lot of his movies are about. Or well, I was just wondering how he was either working that further out, or if he was looking at I'm bringing both parents and both parents. So, okay, this is very much this, this is actually very much more a mother and son movie yeah. than it is a father okay. and son. Movie. So I love Michelle Williams. I mean, who doesn't? I've heard pros and cons on her performance. Mm-hmm. What, what's what's okay, good to hear? I really liked her, but I felt like she overacted in some of her scenes. I'm not going to lie. I lo- this I has been the matinee cast with Hillary Butler. <laughs> we'll be back I, after this. Because I love her, but I did walk out of there going, mm, there were some spots where I'm like, maybe mm-hmm. I have to out it back. Now, okay. I don't know his mom. So maybe his mom is this larger-than-life character. And she played it to the T. And I'm going to have to give him credit where credit's due because he's such a good director that that's probably the case. Okay. Well, that, that would explain actually some of the negative right. things I've heard. But okay. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's, I mean, it's... she gets a monkey. So like she definitely But is... she got a monkey. Yeah. But like his so, mom got a monkey. Exactly. So she's definitely this larger than life yeah. like character. So, I just didn't expect that. So it may just she be the case. She did. It was in the trailer. So I'm not spoiling anything. Yeah. But the fact that it was a real thing, I was like, oh, she actually got one. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, the Fablemans, I I, you know, I'm a Spielberg fanboy. I am, admittedly. And I will, you know, I will fight for a lot of his movies that people hate. Go for it. 
Yeah, I, there's no. The, I love. I love this. 1941. This, you gonna find no, it? that that one's hot. This garbage. is literally. I can see my list. Like it's it's right yeah, here, yeah. and it was a waffle as to whether or not yeah. it was in my top. Five. Um, I but I I I was just I was so deeply smitten. It was exactly what I needed when I needed it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, we have uh, we arrived at the moment of truth. We're going to take one last quick break here, and we're going to come back with our top films of the year right after this. Okay, we have reached the moment of truth. Uh, we are we are humming along, and Bob's going to talk and stop that. <laughs> you have to say it's number one, Ryan. Just I do him, because uh, you know, Robert. I know you rather well. Uh, you know, we, we've been friends for a minute now. Uh, you know, I, I kind of know what to expect when I'm sitting down with you. I kind of know what's going to tickle your funny bone. I certainly know what you're going to hate. Sometimes I'm still surprised, but uh, you, you still find ways to surprise me. Please talk about <laughs> Marcel the Shell oh, with shoes. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I'm still surprised it's my number one. I, I saw it. I can't remember earlier in the year, and I, I just haven't found something to displace it. I don't think I've seen a movie this year where I just smiled so much. And where the ending, which was fairly, you know, from a plot point of view, you knew where it was going to go, which is so satisfying. And just so, hung, like, it's a big hug kind of a thing. And Marcel is this, it's a little shell with one eye and some shoes. And it's a lot of stop motion. And essentially this, this man goes, I think it's, I guess, an Airbnb, and he finds Marcel in this Airbnb. And the rest of his family is, has been moved out without him. And you know, he garage, misses his family. Sorry? In the garage? No, to, <laughs> they all be in the garage. I thought one season, no, I think, you said I think it's to another house. It's to another house. But it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's been a while since I've seen it. It's a show. But Marcel, as a character, is so thoughtful, is so, uh, has a sense of humor that is kind of surprising. In everything he says, it's not the obvious. It's just a little bit of a, oh, that's an interesting take on that. that that's a really, um, you know, if you've thought about that, you've taken a moment, you're taking a different tack, you're listening, you're empathizing. I just, I love the way they create this little character. And it's even more surprising when you realize that it's voiced by Jenny Slate, right. who, regardless whether or not you like her as a comedian, she does have a persona that comes across as more irritating. Um, whether it's been in Parks and Rec or stand-up, whatever, she, she has a bit more of a whiny nature to her, her character. Put on in many ways, of course, but I think a lot of people see her that way. I, I still can't quite reconcile the voice with Jenny Slate, and I've seen her, I've seen clips of her on like Conan or, or wherever, or Jimmy Kimmel, doing the voice. It's kind of like, I can't believe that voice is coming out of you. <laughs> because it's just a soft, little, subtle, childlike voice coming out of Jenny Slate. But I think a lot of it, too, is coming from the school of improv, where I think a lot of it, if you've seen the short films that led up to this movie, 
I think were done more as improv pieces and they put the stop motion to it afterwards, I think, I'm assuming. And I think a lot of the script came from that and they had kind of the guardrails, but they did a lot of the improv within that. And I, I love that as a way of creating a movie, using improv to slowly move the script forward in different directions. And I just, I, I, I thought it was wonderfully realized. The stop motion is effective. Um, the character of the filmmaker, I think, is very, um, he's also very empathetic and sympathetic to, to Marcel and is a nice addition. I don't think you ever, you probably see his face, it kind of once or twice, he turns the camera or something like that, but, but really you only hear his voice talking to Marcel. And it's, it's almost a bit of a chamber piece in some ways. It's really kind of Marcel and the director talking a lot with the occasional other person coming in and other Marcel family members at, at times. It's just wonderfully put together. I, I really adore this film. You have family on the brain this year. Between this film and Hawa and, uh, and Hit the Road, uh, you, you, you very much have family. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't take on that, but I, I suppose that's fair. You know, yeah. um, <clears throat> this I, I did not catch up with it. I remember I wanted to see it so badly, and it just seemed to show up at just the wrong time. I, there is nothing wrong at all with a film that just leaves you with joy, you know, and with happiness. And the, the, you know, we talk. We've talked about all kinds of movies today. We've talked about everything from you know toxicity to feminism to claustrophobia to family drama and whatnot you know there is nothing wrong with saying you know yeah i love all of that there's a place for all of that and i will discuss all of that at length you know friends that don't want to talk to each other there is you know i i believe there is a place for movies like this and for saying you know what it's fantastic and i loved it to pieces i did i just did um i i kind of look at my list as kind of like oh i should move you know, Emily the criminal up. I, I want to talk more about RRR or this or that or the other. I can't bump Marcel out of number one. I, I, I just can't. My, my belief. You don't have to, Bobby. Exactly. exactly. And, I, and I'm not trying to short sell it by like kind of. You're also not. Let, let us be clear. You're not trolling here. You're not trying to say that some. You, you, like you're not sitting here trying to say that like. You know, the rise of Gru was the best film of the year oh God, no. for this. You know, no, like, I, 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 I absolutely believe I you. Really, truly, honestly, love this movie. Yeah, uh, it, it just—it's one of those where you kind of go like, "But I mean, I, I should pick something more serious, no, something more, pick, you know." Pick but but I'm gonna hearts. pick what yeah. I'm gonna pick. Yeah, and it's not that it's the best movie of the year. It's my favorite movie. Yeah. But it was still. But it sounds like it was the movie that that stuck with you. Like you know, going back to your last one and going back to Hawa. It sounds like this one just kind of burrowed itself in a little bit deeper than yeah, something yeah. like Hawa did, and, and, and whether it's that family is part, related or not, but that I mean, is part of why we go, and that yeah. is part of why we watch. Family it. has been on my mind, as I'm sure it has been for many people these last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I did just get a chance to see my family a few weeks ago, which was great. So maybe that's an additional aspect to it. Um, yeah, Hillary Butler, did you see? I didn't see this, but I have heard nothing but good things from my fellow. Uh, critics on my feed and Facebook and wherever you get your critic stuff, it's literally uh, blew up as nothing but good things. And Say I, what you will about Twitter, but that's where I heard about it. Yeah. I was like, what is this Marcel with the show? I do know some of the short films. Yeah, me too. Um, and I, I think it's a, I think you could rent it on Tip Digital 
right now, Marcel the Shulk. Oh, so. no. I, I, the, the movie, for me anyway, is is better than the shorts. The shorts seem very much to be improv exercises that they kind of built these sure. three, four minute things around yeah. where Marcel was saying, hey, do you know how I do this? Hey, do you know how I do that? There's a real kind of story and character in the movie that I think supersedes the short films. For me, I think others like the short films better. I don't think you're going to be alone in putting this in your like top list of the year. Like I, to be honest, I, I think I saw so many people show so much love for this movie that it's going to be on. It's going to be on list. I can't wait for you guys to see it. I'm really you're, you're, you're like it. really and truly, you have given us like so many gifts on your top five. Yeah. I, I hope I'm I, not overselling them. But I really feel well. terrible that I only gave you like a, a glass and a half of wine in return. This uh, is why I beer. always bring my with own your own beer. beer. <laughs> it's not bring my own supply. Always bring your own I beer to Ryan's podcast. Yeah, clearly. I, I wasn't even thinking ahead. No, <laughs> Thank you so much for that. All right, Hillary Butler, you had this film at number one. I touched on it earlier. Uh, let us talk about women talking. Right, which is not a joyful film, but perhaps one full it's of hope. not a bummer either. Like for, for what it's about, it's not it, a drag. It, it should be a drag. It doesn't end as a bummer, as I say. I think it ends with hope and it ends with just the knowledge that these women are going to be in a better place. Tell people, because the, the so, trailer is a little cagey, tell people what it is actually about. Yeah, so basically this is a group of women in the Mennonite community who have been subjected kind of unknowingly. They, we get the impression, and this is based on kind of, is kind of based on a story about this group of women in Bolivia. Um, where they were tranquilized and raped and assaulted and this sort of thing. And um, they finally, they've been told that they're just making this up, that it's punishment from God, that it's, you know, all in their heads kind of thing. Um, which is why, like, they, they start this film with a quote that says, what follows is an act of female imagination, um, which kind of encompasses a whole lot of the poignancy in this movie. But um, eventually they end up, uh, you know, catching some of the men in the act um, and the women meet together to decide what they're going to do. You know, they, they can't really vote by ballot because they can't read or write. They vote by picture. They can stay and fight, um, which comes with its own little gray areas of how they believe in uh, pacifism and, um, you know, what that would mean. Um, they can stay and do nothing, which they fairly quickly think is not an option. Um, or they can leave. Um, and so this group of women within that community get together to kind of decide, while the men are away, to decide what to do. And Ben Wishaw, who you mentioned, is the sole male um, uh, in this film that um, acts as their recorder, because, of course, he can read and write. Um, in the book, I understand he was the narrator. I haven't read the book. Um, in the film, there is a woman narrator. Um, and I understand why they made that difference. And, and it, it makes sense cinematically for them to have a woman narrate this film, but she wouldn't have been able to write the book. So <laughs> I get that. Um, and it is a lot of, again, here I go back to my chamber pieces and people talking. Um, it is a lot of women talking. But the thing with Sarah Polly is, is that she makes it so that when women are talking, they listen. And I think that it was very well done. It is a film that has really struck me both in its look and in what it says. Um, it is very desaturated in how 
in how it's looked. It's um, uh, Luc Montpellier is the uh, cinematographer who worked with her on uh, Away From Her in, in 2006 as well. Um, and he finds such beauty in these, even though he's working with such a constrained palette of color in this movie as well. But I mean, Sarah Polly, she's such a talented filmmaker. She could make a story out of anything and I would watch it. Um, but this just happens to be one of the most powerful stories I've seen in the year. I think one of the things that struck me about it, a lot of things struck me about it, and you know, I go in primed to be struck, um, is how she said, when she talked to Miriam Taves about this and asked her, what do you want me to make sure I do when I'm interpreting your story, as she apparently likes to ask, because she's adapted a lot of stories. She's adapted from Margaret Atwood and Alice Munro. Um, she'll ask the author, what do you want me to make sure I do? Like, oh, you know, you get one card to play, what is it? And Miriam Taves told her, don't lose the humor, to which Sarah Polly was kind of caught off guard. But there are moments in this movie that are genuinely funny, mm -hmm. and which you don't expect when you're thinking you're going to sit for two hours and watch a bunch of women decide how they are going to respond to years of assault and gaslighting. And yet there are several moments of genuine humor, you know, where, where an audience will actually laugh. Like right up until the very end, like one of the last things that somebody does is actually pretty funny, but it's, it's, it, you know, like Polly didn't necessarily think it was funny in the moment, but when she started screening it and people always seem to laugh at this same moment, she goes, Oh, I guess I, I guess I nailed that one. <laughs> um, it's, it's incredible. And there's so many conflicting personalities in this film. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the humor comes from. Well, that's part of it. But I also like, it's the same thing that. People on one side always have trouble getting in, getting their ducks in a row, right? And that I think that's what this movie does really, really well is these women know that there's a problem, but they, Lord knows, they need to have a long, hard argument about what they're going to do about this problem. And you can see rationale for all of it, even even do nothing. Mm -hmm. You can see a, a, it's a flawed logic to our outsider perspective, but you can see the logic in it. And that's, I think, what she does really well is she puts, she, you know, I think about um, stories we tell and how she thinks about the story from all angles, including the people in the middle and the people who are on the outside and it affects it. Did you end up catching up with Women Talking Yet? Sadly, no. Uh, I, I very much want to. It's it was, just it was now. One of the I wanted to. Um, my, my son was able to see it actually at a screening where Sarah Polly gave mm -hmm. a talk afterwards mm -hmm. and he was blown away and he actually asked for her book for Christmas. We got it for him. So I'm thrilled that he's interested in her because I think she is such a great artist. Yeah. Uh, Stories We Tell, we've talked about before. I love that movie. Take This Waltz is mm -hmm. fantastic and such a beautiful ode to Toronto. Even mm -hmm. if it's yeah. kind of like, I think she's even admitted it's kind of like, I know Toronto isn't exactly spread out this way, but I don't care. It's because <laughs> the feeling of Toronto. Yeah. I think she's a great filmmaker and she's such such a great speaker. I don't know if you've seen some of her recent videos on the on the TIFF channel. She's introduced some of her own movies and a few other movies. Yeah. And I love hearing her talk about film. Yeah. It's not just that she's so educated. She has such great insights. She just is talking honestly about these movies. And I, I love her approach. So I cannot wait to see this movie. As much as I know it's going to be a disturbing topic, it's good to hear that there's humor in there. 
but I fully expect to love this movie going in, which which I'm a little bit worried about because that means it's setting my expectations high. But I fully expect. I think you can set them high. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fully expect to be that. Like it's not a chore. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, oh, I it's, you're not. You're not like. Listen, I understand that when some of the times when people like us extol a movie that's not exactly mainstream, people think it's going to be like eating their vegetables. That's really not what this movie is. It's not. It, it, and I think you could agree. It's not eating your vegetables. It's it's a it's a story. It's it's like we were saying with Leo Grande. It's a story told from a perspective that you may not be used to, but has happened since time immemorial, and told by you know told from a different point of view. What's the time period, by the way? Modern of mm-hmm. this? Like when you say modern, you, is what though? Like? You actually think that it's quite historical, both from the costuming and the color palette but there is a moment in the film when you realize this is much more recent than you think and i found it to be an interesting twist because i actually had no idea yeah going in that it was kind of a modern fable but there is there is a moment there i was like really (laughs) which is kind of what i suspected why yeah so it's kind of like this is still happening yeah this is still happening sure yeah like i mean it's the the only the only twist on it is that this is happening in the west Right? Like there, there are a lot of there are a lot of places in the world where this is very much still, unfortunately, the reality. And yeah, she, you're you're damn right to put it on the top of the list. I mean, I my two and three spun for quite a while, but my number, my, those all three of those movies, I really could have jimmied in and out. Um, they were all just so well done. Um, it's a really really affecting movie. As I said, I'm just I'm so happy she's back and. Uh, making features again. I kind of feel like everybody has seen my number one coming this whole time. Um, but just from the moment I saw it, I was like, nothing's going to beat that. Like I, I've just seen something extraordinary and I don't know what to do with this, except just <laughs> like you were with Marcel, the shell, the shell with shoes on, just burst with joy. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. I, was just so smitten with it from the moment it was done. It is kind of amusing to me uh, that the um, the comic book features are starting to drift into the world of multiverses now after having told 10 years worth of singular universe stories. And along comes a movie that out multiverses all of their multiverses. <laughs> uh, you know, a, sto- a, a film that is equal parts Wong Kar Wai and Pixar. And bakes it all into one beautiful little everything bagel. Um, with, I don't like everything bagels. I don't like everything bagels, but I liked this everything <laughs> bagel. Again. I know. I liked this everything bagel so very, very, very much. Um, we definitely agree on that. I, it barely missed my top five. I, it's, it's a wonderful. Um, you wonderful. know, there is nothing in the world that Michelle Yeoh cannot do. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I am so appreciative to the Daniels for bringing back um, K.E. Kwan from whatever he was, like whatever conventions he was working, you know, what they walked up to, like I, I imagine them walking up to an autograph table and being like, <laughs> we have a role for you. And there I'm going to include in the show notes, there's actually an extraordinary um, video essay by pop culture detective where he talks about what Wayman's, version of masculinity actually says like it's it's a very very specific and very underrepresented version of masculinity that you don't see in movies all that time and and pop culture detective does it so much better than i can but it's one of those things that i loved about this movie that it's it's not 
where it goes because there's there's all kinds of versions of Waymond, right? Like there's an infinite versions of Waymond. There's there's you know action star Waymond and there's there's movie star Waymond, but it's like this one, this this googly eyed loving, you know, <laughs> tax making laundromat running version seems to be like Waymond Prime. You know, I think that is something beautiful uh, in this day and age. I love that you love the rocks. The the, ro- the rocks part. just had me like. Almost in tears. I just, I love that part. And I remember seeing it in the theater and every, a lot of this movie is loud and bombastic and things are happening and then yeah. quiet. Yeah. And we're just, just be a rock. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to be my new mantra in life after just, watching just this. Just be a rock. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and then in, in the middle of it all, we take a moment and we go very one car wide all of a sudden and they get really, really posh and we mm-hmm. learn, holy shit, how handsome is Kaylee Kwan. When so he, handsome. Right? Yeah. And <laughs> in that moment where he has at his most dapper and his most, I want to be that guy. We listen to him say in another life, I would have loved to have done taxes and run a laundry with you. <laughs> and it's all, oh, I'm just like, I, I'm like, you know, I barely even scratched the fact that, Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie mm-hmm. doing a, like a version of Jamie Lee Curtis we haven't even seen, and she is magnificent. There's a the, the entire an entire sub thread with hot dog fingers that should not work. It works so well. I know it's, but it's just like you almost think that like you're like mustard. Like, and then, I it's like <laughs> you only like I can. I'm not gonna. just. As, as an absurd kind of thing, just coming indoors, and like, I am on board with this. I'm totally fine. And then at it, some point, they're pinatas. Yes. Like, that, that to me was also yeah. incredible. And we haven't even mentioned Stephanie Sue. Sue? Stephanie Sue. Marvelous who is, Mrs. Maisel. Stephanie Sue. That is her. Okay. I was, I, yeah, I was wondering because I rewatched Maisel. Yeah. She, she is, is so fantastic. fantastic. Again, if we're talking, and maybe if we do a little bit of extra movies at the end, we'll talk about another one. But there are so <laughs> many great uh, supporting. Put that in quotation marks because she's really a big part of this movie. Supporting female performances this year that just jumped out at me. Carrie Condon, Stephanie Sue is another one. She's the, I wouldn't say the heart of this movie, but that's the that's where your empathy almost kind of goes to. Another, another, so you know, like an, another movie. mother and child movie. Like there, you know, there, yeah, there's I've got yeah. I've got two of those on mine. Maybe more. I have to look at my list again. But like, uh, you know, that that that's that's very prevalent. Um, for me, uh, you know, I'm a mother and child was in, was in woman talking as well. So that's three of my five were, were, were mother and children. Um, you could say mother, child for tar. Hey, hey, um, hey. sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah sorry. Oh, um, yeah. but, um, no. I, I love that they, they take this broad, huge, massive concept with all these timelines and the special effects and the, the editing. And when you get right down to it, it's about trying to find happiness mm-hmm in your world it's a family drama. in what's in like, what's there yeah what's right in front of you yeah it's it's and magnificent it's, 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 it's i think it's wonderfully it, yeah. like it, it in in lesser hands it could just be batshit you know like that, that that's the thing that i love about it so much is is it, it, it like they literally have no limits on what they can do they could throw anything at that wall and it will stick rocks raccoons they could, you know, um, like dil- yeah, dildo fights. They can throw anything they can think of at that wall, and it will stick. But I'm not surprised they also made Swiss Army Man, like, to, yeah, to, like because that was also bonkers. Yes, like, um, and bananas. Yes, like, here's this guy that like 
Yeah, he's a Swiss Army man. Yeah, do it all. So yeah, it, the fact that this came out of their imaginations in their brain, I felt like kind of a strange extension, like of that. Like how far, how much, how far else can we go with this? Let's just like this just takes that idea and just does so much more with it. I mean, it's, it's not like really it's, it's not even a new thing. It's parallel realities are not even a new thing. Like no, you know, it, that, that's it, it that's sli it's sliding doors. But but you know, but, but, sure, but, and, but and, I, and I do like that. But it's, but it's sliding doors with a lot more trains. But it just takes that entire concept and almost kind of distills it down into this kind of, yeah. this almost family drama kind of thing. Like or, there's so um, much more with it. Yeah. It takes or, or, you know, all um, these weird kind of concepts. In fact, these... you have to do something bizarre to get to the weird concepts. Like, all right, I have to give myself like five paper cuts before I can like actually yeah. jump to the universe or like eat that gross gun uh, off yeah, the bottom of the desk. That was like, I don't know if I could do the five paper cuts though. And then he's like, oh, my hand, when he like comes back to life. He's like, what happened yeah. to my hand? That. No, it's a magnificent film. It's got so, like, I, I've, I've only seen it a few times, and I still feel like I'm just barely scratching the surface. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I hope it gets some love at the end of the year. I don't know uh, what's happening because we're recording this, you know, just a few days before the end of the year, and awards do what awards do. But I, I if nothing else, I feel like this movie's legacy is actually quite solid and that people will find it as time goes mm -hmm. on and i'm happy for everybody who finds this movie i know that we kind of all found it quite quickly and we were talking about it quite quickly back in march and you know try, like encouraging people to go see it and it's it's box office numbers up and now it's kind of available like everywhere it's right on your television but um i, I feel like people are still going to find this movie as the uh, as the the weeks and months and years go on That's and I know. We're, I we, like we're, we're we've had a lot of that this year. This, yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's, it's, yeah. I know, I know. It's very, very strange. But where are they going from um, here, these filmmakers? This is like, who question. knows? I, know. I, you know, I'm just, uh, Give where, check, man. where, yeah, wherever <laughs> they go, I will follow. I promise you, you know, between, yeah, between this and Swiss Army Man, like anything they make, I'm going to go see. I don't care. They, they have earned my money. Every single dollar. I love this movie so much. I have not thought about anything else since I saw it. Um, it was it was an easy number one for me. So my, my guests today have talked me into a jury prize because they have problems <laughs> keeping their list only to five. The dam is open. You can choose a jury prize pick for any rhyme or reason. Uh, it can be something that you had on your 10, something that you just think was just made you feel really happy, made you feel really, really afraid, what have you. Well, I, I, as is my standard, I'm not just gonna pick one. You screw you. But I, but I, but I will land on one. Uh, let me let me quickly talk about. You know, I am working this week, so editing this show is gonna be a. Pitch. Well, that is the problem too, is that you're just gonna edit the crap out of this anyway. Regardless, um, decision to leave the first half is phenomenally great, and I love how you play with editing and everything. The second half, I liked, but maybe was just more of the same. But, but it's still, you know, bubbling under my, my top 10. 
Viking, um, a movie by Stefan Nachla, which was at TIFF, I was eager to see, and I just caught up with it, is about these people who have the exact same personalities as people who are just landed on Mars, and they're being kept separate to to see if they can have similar uh, emotional issues as the people up on Mars and how they would deal with it. So it's kind of a, it, it's just a really intriguing concept. They're just making up movies. And it's really well done. Um, I always love getting Quebec films in there. Uh, the Wonder, which is out on, on Netflix, is terrific. It's not quite a chamber piece, but it's a very small kind of cast. Florence Pugh. And Florence is fantastic in it. Um, I'm very biased towards her. I think she's fantastic in everything she's done. But I'm going to land on The Woman King. Because ah. it, it's not that it's the best movie I saw last year. The action is great. Viola Davis is great, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lashana Lynch, Lynch is such a powerhouse. And if we're talking about supporting females and, and whether they should be recognized, as much as I liked Carrie Condon and Stephanie Sue, holy crap, yep. every scene Lashana's in, she just dominates. Mm -hmm. Whether she's being strong and powerful, whether she's being empathetic, whether she's whatever, all the range of emotion she goes through. What a fantastic performance. Uh, actually, everybody is great. But she's just... The one that jumps out. So if you want my jury pick, I'll, I'll land on that one because of her absolutely astonishing turn. I, I, I admit I, I'm still behind on The Woman King. It's been, I've been circling it for like months now, but just I, I never so got into so it. so many stuff you can... I know, I know. And I, I've been slacking this fall. It's been a busy autumn. Um, but thank you for, for nudging me towards it. I'll make sure that I, I get to it. I'll, I'll try actually like pay some money and see it on a big screen. Because I understand, like, it's actually quite quite a spectacle, too. Yes. Oh, the action scenes are yeah. great. So I need, yeah, yeah. I need to see that on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I um, would say it's not Billy Davis's movie, though. Like, as much as no, she's the no. top-billed person... I, I, I agree she, with you, absolutely. I she, feel she's like she great should be in it. supporting but, actors. Interesting. Maybe. Yeah, I, I'd be happy if, uh, you know, the others were bumped up a little yep. bit more. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, and throw in Confess Fletch, too. I just really do I want to see that. John Hamm, come on. So what I'm what I'm getting from this is you liked movies. A lot of movies. Gotcha. Movies. Hillary Butler. That's funny that you like movies. Weird. It's crazy, right? Yeah, the second. Because uh, all right, thanks, Bob, for giving me a segue to not choose a movie. Because I will mention that the menu is like very close in my top five. Because this movie, while I don't like horror movies, was like kind of like a thriller satire of the rich and powerful, um, and it was fantastic. And again, Hong Chao nominate her for all the things but i'm going to choose a little like canadian indie called i like movies um which i do and you do as well um which was at tiff this year but i don't think has had any it got uh picked up but i don't think it's had wide release it's yet. part of tiff's canada's top 10 Perfect. so if people are listening to this in the toronto area or the tiff reach of their digital platform you can see it through that yes so um written and directed by Chandler Levesque, um, basically about this 17-year-old who is very full of himself, um, thinks he is going to be the next big director. He's a cinephile. Um, he is a, a Paul Thomas Anderson uh, fan, super fan. I think I've met him. Um, and uh, But in order to go to NYU film school, he needs a lot of money, which is... Uh, single mother does not have. So he gets a uh, job at uh, a movie store called Sequels, which is 
all, for all intents and purposes, blockbuster video um, down to the shelving um, where he meets his manager and they kind of form this um, friendship and relationship, which is very interesting. And again, both have had like traumas and stuff in their life that they work through that they kind of um, look at film to help them get through, um, I guess. Um, but it was just so well written and there were so many awkward, funny moments. Um, everything takes place uh, in what, Burlington. Um, so <laughs> it's a love letter to Burlington. Oh, yeah. um, not a thing. Sure. Um, but it is now because Taylor Levesque wrote it. And it's very much a lot, because um, I interviewed her a lot from her teenage years, um, which I found interesting that she put into a 17-year-old boy um, and decided to write that as the character to kind of project a lot of some of these things like from her own life. Um, but it was a really well-written, thoughtful, cute movie and one of my favorites from Tim. Well, uh, you've got the theme of movies going, so I will carry that forward into a movie about a movie star playing a version of himself, which is, is interesting <laughs> in its own right because he always seems to be playing versions of himself. Uh, a movie that, again, should not work, and yet God does it ever. Um, you know, what, what can we say about the unbearable weight of massive talent, except this movie should not right. work. And yet it is, it is wonderful. It is absolutely, it is, it, it, it should be so spectacularly dumb. <laughs> it really should. Uh, you know, a Mandalorian should not be able to save this movie. <laughs> uh, and, and yet, you know, um, the, 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 Agent Shrink Neil Patrick Harris should not be able to save this movie. The FBI agent Tiffany Haddish should not be able to save this movie. It should be so spectacularly stupid. And yeah, like right down to the title. And yet I had so much fun watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I cannot believe that I'm still like, have you seen The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? <laughs> you know, like, like, I really should not be that guy. Um, my my favorite moment was absolutely when Nick Cage realized that Paddington too. Yeah, it's such a great <laughs> such movie, a great man. Movie. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah. It's like you're right. I cried through the entire thing, and it made me want to be a better man. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Which I mean, that, that's the thing too. That's like, a Padd- dark review. Fair of that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that was, that was the yeah. thing. Like on the surface, Paddington two shouldn't have even been that that big. But yet, you know, when you watch it, it's like that movie is magnificent. I know it is. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, you know. So if you don't want to see the high flute and stuff that we talked about, go watch the menu. Go watch the unbearable weight of massive talent. Go watch the Women King. Um, and just briefly on the topic of movies about movies, there was a lot of great documentaries about movies this year. So there was Brainwashed, the the yes. you know, Menkes movie. I reviewed that one. Uh, really, really well done. That was well so done. interesting. You will never Absolutely. watch a movie the same way and again. She did not like Cuties, uh, a movie I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier yes. on. Which is fair. I would maybe disagree, but then again, I'm coming from a very different perspective. Mm-hmm. But also, Senior, the movie about Robert Downey Senior, mm-hmm. Sydney, the Sydney Poitier documentary, and the one that almost made my top five is not black enough for you. Um, the documentary on black exploitation, which is very personal uh, from Elvis Mitchell, very fun as he gets a lot of people to talk about black exploitation, and just really. Um, Going in depth into his own view of what the, those movies meant to him, mm-hmm. uh, and really culturally significant as well. Um, it, it's a great, great film. 
I can't wait. Um, there's a ton of them. I, I got to catch. I, like, and that's what I love about doing these. As I said, like I always come away from them. I'm like, I got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but I mean, that's why we do them now. Like we could do these in, we could do these in July and we probably still have stuff that we're missing, but it's like, you got to draw a line. You know, this is not non those, those rules. That is episode 298 of the Matinee Cast. I'm so thankful that Hillary Butler and Bob Turnbull were able to come by. Come on back in January for episode 299. I'm not sure when or what just yet, but it'll be in January and then 300 um, sometime around the end of the month, beginning of February. Bob, you are not doing so much of the writing and participating anymore, but if people are around Toronto, please come and say hi to Bob in a costume. He's the one in the hat. Um, Hillary, the you, only you, one in the hat. You, you are. Watch uh, out, people in hats in Toronto. Are you Bob? <laughs> um, Hillary, plug where you're, where you're writing. Where you're yes, I am mostly over at liveforfilms.com. Very nice. Uh, and if people want to find you on like the Twitter and whatnot, at pet Very nice. I, I'm at the logical mind, but uh, not spending a lot of time. I'm there begrudgingly. Like yes. I, don't, I haven't tweeted in a month and a half, and I don't know. It's hard. Uh, it's uh, but, you know, it There's a lot to drive. unpack there. Guys. It drives some interesting choices in movies, but the engagement is uh, spotty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my site is thematinee.ca for more audio content. You can find back episodes by going there. You can also find them on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, Podcast, TuneIn, Radio Public, CastBox. You know, if, if it has podcasts on it, I'm probably there. Uh, everything you can subscribe and get alerts when episodes drop. Feedback on any of the movies that we've talked about today uh, or your own top five can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email me, ryan at thematinee.ca. I am begrudgingly somewhat on Twitter, so you can find me there, matinee underscore CA. There's always Facebook, speaking of garbage fires, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts, good people? Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> thank you. My, my, thank you, Bob. He then, thank you for the likes me. That. Other than that, he was really drunk. Keep away from the garden shears. For Hillary and Bob, I'm Ryan. Have a happy and safe new year, and we'll see you at the match. that dial because like the song says you are out of time you're almost there but don't panic there's still more music to come before you're completely engulfed in the blissful embrace of that little light you see in the distance soon you'll be healed forgiven and refreshed free from all trauma pain guilt and shame you may even forget your own name but before you dwell in that house forever here's 30 minutes of easy listening to some slow tracks on 103.5 Don FM.